Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are really glad that you're here with us this morning. You know, a number of years ago, Shana and I were watching a show called 24. Anyone ever watch 24? For, for those of you who are not really sure or you forgot, uh, the main character is Jack Bauer, and he has 24 hours to save the world. And each episode is one hour out of those 24. And so it is probably one of the most intense shows I have ever watched. And because Shane and I didn't have cable or a dish, by the time we started watching it, uh, everybody else was on like season four or season five. And uh, it's, again, one of the most intense shows you ever have watched. In fact, it's, it's not a show you want to watch at night because then you want to watch the next episode and the next episode and the next episode. Next thing you know, you're in your room for 24 hours. And uh, <clears throat> there's this one show, uh, one episode where a group of terrorists have kidnapped our Secretary of Defense and his daughter, which happens to be Jack's girlfriend. And so these terrorists are streaming this video and saying like, look, we've, we've got your Secretary of Defense and his daughter, and if you guys don't do this, 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 like we're gonna kill them. And Jack is just freaking out, right? And there comes this point where he begins to find every little clue and he's figuring it all out, putting all the, the puzzle pieces together. And the amazing thing is like, nobody in the world knows where they are, but Jack figures it all out. He finds their exact location. He gets on the phone and he's calling in headquarters. And he's like, look, I know where they are. I've got them. Send back up. And they're like, okay, we'll be there in five minutes. He's like, we don't have five minutes. They'll be dead in five minutes. I'm going in. And I'm like, Jack, no, what are you doing? Like, there's a hundred guys in there. You'll never make it. Jack, there's like 10 guys over there. There's another guy over there. There's like five guys over there. And he's like, I'm going in. And he wants to save all of us. It is so amazing. And my heart is just pounding. And the terror is rising. And Shane and I are freaking out. And then all of a sudden, I realize, wait a minute. This is season two. Everybody else is watching season four and five, and, and he just signed a contract for three more seasons. Like, we're good. <laughs> like, you know the good guy is still going to be around at the end of this episode, let alone the end of this season. And when you know how the end works out, you can completely relax. All of the panic, all of the fear, all of the terror just kind of dissolves right? And when you know how the end of the world plays out, it changes how you live your life today. And the Bible tells us exactly how everything is going to play out. And that's what we're going to look at today, because we know there is a season 3000, okay? And so when all of that is tell, told before us, it changes our lives. It changes how we live our lives today and tomorrow. And so that's what we're going to look at. So grab your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're all writing about Jesus, his life, and his ministry. They're given an account for what happened. They all have different perspectives. They all are writing to different audiences. 
Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. And these are really uh, the last days of Jesus' life. This is before the crucifixion, but he can pretty much see the cross. It's, it's, it's days before the Passover, and he knows how all of this is going to play out. And he starts unpacking these incredible truths. And we get to Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. They're in Jerusalem. They're there on the Mount of Olives. And this is what he says. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Right? That's a pretty incredible statement because Herod's temple, for, for many people, they considered this like one of the, the great wonders of the ancient world. And it was an amazing artistic engineering masterpiece. And so this was like earth-shattering news for James and John and Peter and all the disciples who would have heard this. They would have been like, what are you talking about? How is that even possible but I just want to show you a short video on what this temple would have looked like. Watch this. This temple was the focal point for Israel. It was the focal point for their worship. It was the focal point theologically. Their ruling government would have been there. This was where they believed the presence of God was. This was an incredible architecture. And to say that this entire building will be demolished and not one stone will be left was an incredible statement. The Jewish worship and their identity was all connected to this temple. And then in 70 AD, it was completely demolished. It was absolutely destroyed. The Roman general Titus came in there and he, he conquered Jerusalem. He conquered this place. And, and historian Josephus says that when Titus came in and conquered them, 1.1 million Jews killed. It was incredible. And then Titus, he built this monument to himself. It's still there today in Rome, Italy, to really represent how great and how amazing he is. And so when Jesus says this temple is going to be destroyed, it sparked a lot of questions for the disciples. You know, they were there, and, and 40 years after Jesus says this, this, this temple is going to be absolutely destroyed. And so they are left with a lot of questions. And this, so they pulled Jesus off to the side privately, privately, and they're like, okay, 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 hold on. So you're saying, wait, how is all this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Like, what are the signs to the end of the world? And what they're basically asking is, is they're saying, okay, Jesus, 
What's the final countdown for you to return? How are we going to know? What is the sign? What is the final countdown before Jesus returns? Which is a great question. What's what's season 3000 look like, Jesus? How are we going to know what all that looks like? Here's what Matthew says in verse 3. This is later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Right? How, how do we know what's going to happen between your first appearance here on earth and your second? Let me show you a timeline, okay? This is just my hot take on all of that, all right? Some of you may disagree with me. That's okay. Me, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, we all think this is how it's going to play out, all right? <laughs> just kidding, okay? So there's, there's the beginning of the world, right? Boom, happen, check, all right? As God begins to work, he works and he, he brings out this group called Israel. This is his chosen people he's going to work with and work through. We see that really clearly in the Bible. Then Jesus comes on the scene. God kind of says like, hold on, pause. Now we're going to work with like the whole world, Jews and Gentiles. Jesus came to have this incredible ministry. He dies on the cross. So far, so good, Tim. You're, you're checking him off, right? And Jesus launches this brand new thing called the church. We have a church, okay? We have churches, a large church all over the globe, right? This ministry to everybody in the world, no matter who they are, what they come from, what race, religion, wherever they're coming from, Jesus wants to interact with them, and he has, wants a deep, meaningful relationship with them. Then, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, there's this really crazy event, which people have titled the rapture, okay? And there's going to be this loud trumpet, and all of a sudden, people who have followed God and followed Jesus, and they've already passed away. So think about John, Peter, James, people in the Old Testament like Moses and David. Their dead bodies are going to raise, super creepy, I know. They're going to raise up out of the graves, wherever they are. They're going to meet Jesus in the air. Then after that, followers of Jesus who are still alive are going to raise up in the air and meet Jesus. That's in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians. You should read it. Okay, that is like the tailgating, okay? We're kicking off something really big. Then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. God's basically going, unpause. I'm trying to push Israel back to God. I want these people to, to know me. Lots of really bad things, I think. My opinion, Matthew 24 is talking about a lot of things that are currently happening, go back, and will happen in the tribulation. After that, Jesus will actually come back a second time. His feet will come back on the Mount of Olives. That's going to kick off this millennium. He's going to rule. There's going to be judgment. Boom, eternity, okay? A lot of events, going on. And it's hard. And there's really godly people that I love, I care for, that disagree with me. That's okay. This is just a way to kind of put some of these events in order. I just wanted you to see that, okay? Jesus is saying, look, there's going to be some incredible things happening. We need to be ready for that. And then in verse 4, he says, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. 
They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic, right? Verse 7, he says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Next verse, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come, right? And, and we've seen a lot of that to some degree, right? There's been wars, nations rising against nations. There's been rumors of wars. There's been earthquakes. There's been famines, right? There's been people trying to deceive other people, trying to say, oh, no, no, this is the way. No, 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 this is the way, right? So to one degree, in one sense, a lot of that has been happening. There's no disagreement about that. But I think there's going to be a time in history where all of that happens on a much larger scale, where it is just happening all the time. And he says, you're going to hear of these wars, not just hear them. You're going to continually hear them and hear them and hear them. And it's just going to be happening, ringing true all over the world. And there's going to be wars. There's going to be threats of wars and rumors of wars and not just nation against nation. It's just not going to happen in this place, at that place. It's going to be happening all over the globe. And it's going to intensify to such a degree that nobody can miss it. So yes, in, on one hand, it is already happening. On one, in one sense, a lot of these things are been taking place, have been taking place, will continue to take place, and I just think it's going to get bigger and worse and worse. And Jesus is saying, don't panic. Don't freak out. Because I'm going to tell you that these things, they're going to be bad, but they're just, they have to happen because something greater is coming. And then he says, okay, as of right now, I think Jesus is really restraining sin. I think Jesus has been restraining evil and the wickedness. And I know there's a lot of wickedness and sin happening. But just imagine what it would be like if God was not restraining it. I think there's going to come a point where that restraint is just let go. And sin and wickedness just runs rampant. It just escalates even higher. But notice what he says here in verse 9. He says, then... Right? There's going to be a, a transition. Then, a, a time where then you're going to be arrested, persecuted, killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Verse 10. And many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. In one sense, some of that is already happening. In one sense, followers of Jesus have been persecuted. Followers of Jesus have been killed. Followers of Jesus have been arrested. And I think that's going to be on a greater scale. And then there's going to be people, when, when that pressure starts to really pile on, we're going to see, okay, yeah, some of those people, they weren't really following Jesus. It felt good. It looked good. But then when the pressure came, they backed off. They just totally bailed on their faith. But then take a look at verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's going to be lots of deception. That's the enemy's 
end game. The enemy has come to deceive, to trick, and to terrorize, and to increase panic, to increase fear. And Jesus says, don't panic. Don't freak out. Because you know there's a season 3,000. You know at the very end, those who endure will be saved. If Jesus is, is living inside of you, if he's dwelling inside of you, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've asked him to be the leader of your life and to forgive your sins, no one can take that from you. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. You are secure in that. But here's the hinge point. The hinge point is there's going to be a fulfillment of the Great Commission. When Jesus came and he was talking to his disciples, he said, go into all the world and tell people about who Jesus is. Go and make disciples. Teach them to obey. Baptize them. Notice verse 14. Here's the hinge point. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. I don't know if that's happened yet. To some degree it has, but on another hand, it hasn't really happened. There's a lot of people who haven't heard the gospel so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel, the prophet, spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. There's going to be a time where everybody hears the gospel. It's going to ring into their ears. And then he says that those are, those are just some of the birth pains. But here's a whole list of what Jesus says will happen. His followers, followers will be hated all throughout the world. There's going to be lots of deconversions, people who, who turn away from Jesus. There's going to be a lot of false prophets who deceive and there's going to be wickedness, and it's just, and the love for God is going to grow cold, and the gospel will be preached throughout the whole world. But there's going to be another abomination that causes desolation. We saw the first desolation happen in the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They came in, and, and this guy named Nebuchadnezzar, who has like totally lost his mind, built an idol of himself and was like, hey, everybody better bow down or else. And they're like, not a chance. And they threw him into the fire. And then we see that God preserved them. That was an abomination. Nebuchadnezzar was like, worship me. I am so great. There's been other abominations like that. Wickedness has been running rampant. I think it's going to get even worse. And so, in one sense, I think we are living in the last days. In one sense, we, we have been seeing a lot of these things take place. In one sense, some of them have been sort of fulfilled. My opinion, and I could be wrong, it's going to happen on a greater scale. And everything will continue to get more and more and more intense. So here's what I know. I don't have all the answers. I, I know that. But here's what I do know, that Jesus can return for the church at any time. And so what do we do? How do we then live our lives? If Jesus really can come back at any time, how do we live our lives? Next. First, we need to live alert. 
not alarmed. As a follower of Jesus, I need to be alert, knowing that, that I need to live my life in such a way that, okay, here's what the world is doing. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Here's what, what happened in the election. Don't freak out. Don't panic, okay? Here's what's going on. There's another war over here. There's another war over here. Be alert, but don't be alarmed. Panic and fear wants to creep in. Number two, stay close to the original. Stay close to the OG, right? Just focus on who Jesus is. Draw close to him because the enemy wants to deceive. The enemy wants to pull you away. The enemy wants to say, no, that's the Messiah. No, that's the Christ. No, that's the way. No, this is the way. But Jesus says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. Stay close to the original. He's made things really, really clear. So as followers of Jesus, we should lean in. Number three, we should live ready. We need to live ready. That, that anything could happen at any moment. And if this really is the end, don't you want to be ready? I tell him, I'd, I'd really like to know the day. I'd really like the exact day. Really? You really want to know the exact day? Well, yeah, because if I knew the exact day, then I would go and I would do this and this and this and this. We should do that anyways. If Jesus really could come back at any moment, I have family in Connecticut, and if I knew it was next Thursday, I would be there. I have family in Florida, I would be there. And some of you are like, well, yeah, if I knew the exact day, if I knew it was going to be next Thursday, here's what I would do financially. I would do this. I would invest it here. I would invest it here. You should live ready. We have no idea what day or hour it will be. And then I say, draw close to the flame. If you've ever been around a bonfire, Right? There's, a, there's a men's group that we meet here Wednesday mornings, and last Wednesday it was four degrees. And we work out outside, and it's cold. And then after we work out, we get around the fire. And I would say like we were all like so close to that fire, like the flame was like jumping off of our knees. Like You get close to that fire because you want to be warm. And I would say, draw close to the flame. Get close to Jesus, as close as you possibly can to him. Because the end really is coming. If you identify as a follower of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, draw close to the flame. But number next, I say become someone who regularly prays. Next slide. Someone who prays, invests, invites. Be someone who's focused on the Great Commission. If Jesus really could come back at any day, any moment, we need to be working on praying for people who are far from God. We need to be taking the initiative to invest in people who are far from Jesus. And we need to invite them in the conversations about spiritual things. We need to invite them, maybe even to church, invite them over our house, invite them out to lunch, get involved in their life, invest in them, make a spiritual investment, and then make the move. You and I, we need to make the move because you can't store up treasures in heaven. You can't bring your house, your car, or all the gadgets and little widgets that you have and all the fancy shoes and your clothes and your watches and your phones and your tablets and your computers. You can't bring any of that to heaven. But Jesus says, you know what? You can store up treasure in heaven. You can make investments 
in people who are far from Jesus. You can shower them with grace and mercy. You can make an investment. Make that move to heaven. Get everything ready in terms of what will really last. And then lastly, go all in on Red 14. Now, that's really a casino term. So I brought Keith's poker chips. I figured a guy with tattoos would have these. <laughs> no judgment. That's sorry. It's free. If you're not familiar <clears throat> with poker chips or casinos, Keith knows. Uh, there's a, so I've heard, so I've watched on the movies. Uh, you can go into these places called casinos and they have a little roulette wheel and you can. Uh, pick a, a color, red or black, so I've seen on movies again, and uh, you can call out, hey, I want, I want red 14, or call, what other numbers can you call out, red 18, black, right, <laughs> like I don't know, and, and you, can, you can have all your chips, and they represent different amounts of money, I don't know, Keith knows, and <laughs> The gospel, the gospel is going to be preached to the whole world. And you have an opportunity to live ready, to pray, invest, invite, to make the move, and to go all in. If you knew that red 14 on that little wheel, that little tiny white ball was going to fall on red 14, and you knew that without a shadow of a doubt, if you knew that Jesus was going to come back, Someday, sometime, you want to go all in. I mean, if you're at the casino and you're like, it's going to be red 14, and you have all this money, you know you can just go all in. Why wouldn't you? That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Because there is a season 3,000. He is coming back. And he wants you and I to live ready. So what would it look like this week if each of us went all in on Red 14 with the gospel? Let me pray with you. God, you are amazing. Recognize that there's a lot going on in our lives. Recognize that there's a lot of fear and panic that play into people's lives and what's happening. I know I don't have all the answers. I know I probably raised more questions than I answered. But we know that your scripture is clear on some things. There's going to be a day when you come back. And we need to be ready. I know that there's a lot of people in this room that live in fear and, and terror just kind of runs amok. Anxiety just floods their minds. It's, it's not been invited. It just keeps showing up over and over and over again. And there's some things that we have questions about or some concerns we have. And there's a lot, of, a lot of things going on in this world. But here's what we do know. You have called us to live ready. So today... Would you help us to cast all of our anxieties, all of our fears onto you because we know how it ends. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
Hey, really quick, if any of you men are interested in that morning group, get with me or Tim. Also really quick, Tim.